You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. There are a range of career pathways within the horticultural and landscape gardening industries. One way is to start your own business, which can be a difficult path to walk, but incredibly rewarding for the right type of person. In this episode, former landscape business owner and Hort Journal Australia editor Karen Smith and I help initiate you into how to start a landscape business. G'day Karen, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Daniel. Yeah, it's going to be another ripper. Uh, Yeah, I think we uh, enjoyed ourselves last time, so... uh... (laughs) Hopefully we'll do the same again today. And hopefully everyone else enjoys it as well, because this is the topic that I think a lot of people think about and not many people really execute on. Now, this episode is not, this isn't business advice. Like Karen, you nor I are qualified to be giving out individual business advice. I I assume you're not. I mean, you've had a business. No, 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 definitely not. My my, um, qualifications are in horticulture, not not business, but... Um, yeah, I mean, this is just um, our opinions from our own experience. Mm, totally. My experience yeah. comes from, oh, I don't know, seven or so years of being a team leader. And when you're a team leader, um, you're not the business owner, but you do sort of stand there with the business owner. And um, I guess I've had a few of my bosses who've mentored me. So I do know a few things. And also, yeah, I guess that employee uh, perspective is important as well because if you're going to start a business, you're going to need employees. You're probably not going to be able to do it for too long just by yourself. At least I don't sure. think. Well, I mean, a lot. I guess a lot of people do, don't they? Really. Uh, well, I did, but I subcontracted. Mm. I subcontracted um, people. So yes, definitely. We will chat a little bit more about um, that. As we go on, but first of all, I'd like to ask a nice, easy question: Is it easy to start a landscaping business of any kind, or is it cheap? Well, um, I guess um, it's as easy as you make it. I guess, um, like thinking about um, if you're thinking about starting up a business, do your research, um, and by that I mean look around you, you know, look at your competition to get a bit of an idea, depending on where you live. I mean, I live in Sydney, so there's always an abundance of work. Um, But that's not to say that you can't find work in regional areas. In fact, some people I speak to when I'm travelling out and about, you know, you always hear that old line, oh, I can't get a tradesman or I can't get someone to mow my lawns or I can't you know, find someone to do a small job. Uh, so I, my, su- my suggestion to anyone is to do your research and maybe start small, get a bit of a feel for what's out there. I know when I started my business, I had been doing a lot of garden horticultural consultations for a retail nursery and people would invariably say to me, can you organise the work? So, I, you know, my role was to go out there, look at their garden, um, discuss what they wanted. Sometimes it might be a, a simple consultation like, you know, what can I grow here? Others would want 
you know, a full landscape plan. So I knew that when I started my business, there was plenty of work out there purely because I would, when they would ask me, I had a handful of business cards of people that our, um, the nursery that I had worked for in the past had used, so I knew they were reliable. So I would give out those cards. So, um, you know, that, that sort of made it easy for me because when I decided um, to start my landscaping business, I was leaving another job, like an employed job, and because I had been at the same time doing those consultations, I sort of, I sort of knew. But the other thing that you can do is uh, go along to some business networking events and talk to people, um, get to know some of the businesses. I know as soon as I started my business, the first thing I did was join a business network. And it was a regular event, a weekly event that we used to go to these networking events. And um, so aside from referrals, actually what I learned from other business owners was really valuable. So, you know, that's talk to people, talk to your accountant. and Oh, you wouldn't splash out on an accountant, would you? Well, well, you might already have one or you might you might be lucky like me. You know, I've got a friend who's an accountant and a brother-in-law who's an accountant. So, yeah, so you need to you need to consider and, and like you know there's plenty of information online sometimes even local councils have information on uh, um, business advice and, and there's another organization you know like your chamber of commerce and stuff like that you can find information out but yeah so for, that's from the business side of it but from the actual landscaping side um, maybe if, if you know any builders that are, you know, looking to get landscaping work mm-hmm. done or, you know, other trades that because invariably they will be asked do they know any tradesmen that are out there. So, you know, align yourself with strategic alliances and um, and, and that that's a good way of um, at least getting started. Is it cheap? Um, if you start small <laughs> like I did, you know, I just sort of gradually uh, worked my way up from, you know, a few, well, having said that, my first job was a huge one, but uh, um, I'd also had the benefit of having worked for a franchise just before that of, the, of garden maintenance. So um, we used to get a lot of business advisors coming in for their monthly, like I used to do their horticultural training, but we used to get business advisors. So, you know, you pick up things from other people constantly. So, you know, um, start small because you'll always need a vehicle. So uh, we'll probably talk about that a bit later. But mm. yes, so and then work your way up. You can always um, build on your tools and that sort of thing. Everyone's got a shovel, Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. the basics, secretaires and loppers and that sort of stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I I think you sort of touched on a bunch of topics there that we're going to extrapolate out. I'm going to resist the temptation to ask you a bunch of questions and I'm just going to go on to the next one. Okay. Uh, What kind of attributes make for a good landscape business owner in your opinion? Oh, that's a great question actually. Um, And I think back um, to my days of working with the franchise, Uh, as I said, it was garden maintenance, not 
not hard landscape. Um, my personal opinion of it is, you know, you've got to have integrity and be honest. But from my days with the franchise, we had a policy that if, um, you know, if a call was sent out to a franchisee that somebody, you know, got a lead for them, they had to respond with a phone call to that person that same day mm. because what we used to hear from people um, was that, oh, well, we've rung you because I've rung five or six people and they all say they're going to turn up and they don't or they're going to get back to me or they don't answer their phone, they just let it go to message. So um, being reliable you know, being reliable. And, look, all it takes you is when you're driving to your next job to ring up that person and say, hi, um, look, I've, you know, I got your message and can we make an appointment to um, to meet, you know, next Monday or whatever? Or, look, I'm booked out for three weeks, but perhaps we could have a phone chat after hours or whatever suits you. But, so long as they, they get a response. So don't promise something that you can't deliver. Mm. You know, I, I think that, that's huge. So, of course, it pays to have some um, landscaping skills as well. But from, from what makes a good mm. landscaper as opposed to one that doesn't often comes down to that, those sorts of issues, you know, that, that, that they say, oh, I'll be there on Monday and they turn up. Don't ring up. Or don't wait for the phone call on Monday afternoon. They say, where were you? Oh, sorry, I got held up. You know, mm. just be fair to people. Often people are taking a day off or or even if they don't work, they might have, you know, planned to want to go somewhere and they've stayed home, especially um, because you said you were coming. So um, mm-hmm. I, I always found that, and we used to say to the franchisees, if you answer the call, you probably will get the job. So oh, how often does it happen? You're the first yeah. one there and you just get yeah. the job. Yeah. So if you want to be really good and if you're busy, you know, maybe put on a casual, you know, to mm. take up take up the load, you know. So get ex- get extra help. Invariably, you will need to uh, put on extra staff because I haven't met anybody yet who can manage to just work on their own. I've probably met a couple of people that prefer to do it that way but over time you physically can't always keep up that work you know that workload it your, your body you know it takes a toll on your body so you do need to have two people sometimes to lift things you know you might have to shift a whole heap of um, heavy pots or something like that so having at least two people is a is a good idea so, yeah, plan, you know, plan what you want out of it. If you're deciding to start a business, plan where you see yourself in a few years' time because a lot of people start a business and they can't necessarily, um, you know, keep it up or they're not charging the right amount or they, they get all the work done and then they don't send off their invoices because they're too tired to do that when they get home, you know, all that sort of stuff set aside specific days it could be Mondays you you um, set aside for your office work or Monday mornings you make your phone calls you do your invoices and get that done or you engage somebody to do that some people use an answering service 
you know, well, um, it'll go through to an answering service and they say, okay, well, Daniel's not available today, but um, I'll get a message. Um, I'll get him to call you. And then, you know, they they take all those that extra load from you. And I don't think mm. it's terribly expensive. So, no, really, they can really, be overseas. So they might be doing the night shift for our day shift over here, depending yeah. on where they are. But a lot of the time, yeah, they live in countries where the yeah. dollar goes a lot further. Yeah. So, you know, outsource. In fact, this is something, um, somebody, a good advice somebody gave me when I first started. Do what you're good at and outsource the rest. Yeah. Because... It's a physical job, so you don't necessarily, all you want to do when you come home is have a shower, have your dinner, have a beer or a cup of coffee or whatever takes your fancy and, um, you know, put your feet up or, you know, you might have children or a partner or whatever, you know, you or going out for dinner or something. The last thing you want to do is sit down and do your invoices. So set aside that time. First thing, Monday morning's always a good one or Friday or whatever. So, um, yeah, think about all those And include things. that in your pricing too. Someone needs to pay for that time. Of course. And the same with all your uh, picking up materials and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, going from job to job, it's always great when you get a few jobs that are close by, especially for garden maintenance because you don't necessarily spend the whole day there. Sometimes you do, but you might do a day and a half. So then you've got a half day somewhere. So, um Trying to plan out is um, a really good idea. And, of course, then you're, you know, before you start, you've got to register your business, get your ABN, look for a, a business name, get some business cards made. Um, get your insurance is really um, important. Oh, uh, you can get by with that insurance, can't you? Oh, gee, until you hurt yourself. <laughs> Or you break something. No, or, you can't. That's the joke, guys. You, you cannot know? get by with that insurance. Mm. If you're not insured, you can't afford to step on site. No. And don't worry about those people that come and undercut and want to work for $25 an hour. They can do that, leave it to them. But they're the people that come into, into the business and quickly leave because they're not making any money. You have to factor in to your hourly rate all that, you know, those costs that you have. So, um, you know, every other trade manages to do this very successfully. Um, so uh, people in our industry should too. And good, and good landscapers do. You know, good business. Yeah. That's, what, that's why they're successful because they're doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. And so, they know um, what their costs are. Sure, sure. You know, if you're not including... Um, like your tax time or you're not including your invoicing time or you're picking up materials or, or the time spent in the ute between jobs, Yeah, you're going to suddenly look at the pay at the end of the month and you're going to think, what's happening here? Because you don't understand where your costs are. Hmm. Exactly. And um, then, of course, if you employ staff, you've got, you've got to have insurance and, you know, you've got superannuation and all, all of those things to consider, all that business side of it. So... Get some good advice, you know, get an accountant and um, go and talk to your accountant and say, you know, they'll set you in the right direction. And um, getting the works, to me, I think is the easy part because there's an abundance of Mm. work out there. And um, I don't know any tradesmen that are sitting down on their 
haunches at the moment. They're all working hard and there's plenty of work. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking about franchising before, you know, what are the benefits, the pros and cons of that? I think um, people looking to buy a franchise are often, well, people say it's like you're buying a job. There's no, yeah. I mean, you know, I think sometimes it's it's great for when you get started yeah. Um, because, you know, that, that business has already got a name so you won't be without work. But you do have to understand that you've got to pay franchise fees and you have to, um, you know, that ha- that's all part of it. And, the, you know, there's certain rules and regulations. I, I, I just think if you're if you're good at what you do, there's no reason why you shouldn't start out on your own and and the money that you would normally be investing in franchise fees you could be investing in paying someone to do all those things like your um you know uh book work and and that type of thing so yeah i i i look it it's it's good for some people but i think if you're good at what you do it's not hard to start from scratch and I'm kind mm. of living proof of that. Mm. So, um, yeah. And, like, I was a sole trader. That was why I, I um, subcontracted because often, like, I, I'd be quite happy doing all the, um, you know, plant selection, putting all the plants in, preparing the soil and that type of thing. But if I wanted hard landscaping done, I always... Uh, subcontracted to get that done yeah that's great advice stick to what you're good at stick to what you know if you're not into concreting don't buy a concrete mixer (laughs) no definitely not so um that was easier and you know i'd pay more for it because you know i'd I'd be paying a higher rate or no not Mm. a higher rate but the going rate you know they didn't have to they they were happy to do it for me because they knew that I would pay. I always paid them th- within the week that mm. they, you know, in fact, half the time I'd be chasing them for an invoice. So, um, yeah, so I think um, being a sole trader is a little bit hard. If you're going into a partnership, I always remember my physiotherapist actually saying to me, she was in a partnership, it's like a marriage. So, you know, and my accountant actually said to me as well, you need to have an out clause. What happens, and it and it often does in a partnership, um, what happens when you that per, your partner wants to leave? Do you buy them out? And if you do buy them out, you know, someone might assess your business at being worth, I don't know, I'm pulling a figure out of my head here, 100000 mm. So do you give them 50000 and say, yeah. okay, off you go? Um, now, if you were to sell your business, would you be likely to get 100000 Possibly yeah. not. Who knows? So um, I would be seriously, you know, consider a, a partnership, you know. I do know people that are in partnerships and it's worked well. In fact, I'm thinking of... Um, Friends of mine, they're interior architects and um, 
they work brilliantly. They're like a married couple. They're so, you know, they're so in sync with each other. Um, or you can form a company. I'm not an expert on making a comment on company structures, but certainly, um, you know, probably an accountant would be a better person. To yeah, speak have to a on chat that. to your accountant. Yeah. I just wanted to bring up another point about partnerships there too. In your out clause, think about if your partner were to sell their share, are there any people who you don't want them to sell it to? You need to be thinking about all those things. Like imagine if they sell off their share and then you're stuck with working with someone who believes the exact opposite thing that you believe. Like maybe you're really into native gardens and the new partner just wants to do jungles and they're spraying chemicals and you really don't want to spray chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, all that has to be, you've got to kind of really consider that some partnerships work really well. Like some people might look at that and say, well, we've got two, we've got two arms to our business. We've got, you know, jungly gardens or we've got natives. That's mm. our areas of expertise. So sometimes mm. you can make it work in your favour. Yeah. You know. Totally. Or one of you is the business manager and one of you is the operator. Sure, definitely. So bringing different skill sets um, is really important as well. You don't want a clone of yourself. You know, mm. you need to have somebody who's, um, you know, one's got to be the the creative side and one's got to be the, hey, come on, come back to earth here, you know. Um, it, it, it works um, really well for some people. And I, and like I say, I do know some people that, that really work well as a partnership. Just be, you know, just be mindful of what you, how well you get along. And you also, you know, need to say, well, we need to be really honest with each other, but um, we don't want to ruin our friendship, you know? Oh, yeah. Think hard before you go in with any family or friends. Yeah. And, you know, often it might be the partner of your partner that causes the grief. I've heard that oh, yeah, good a lot, point. you know, mm. um, because their partner thinks they're doing more than what you are and all, oh, you know, it can go on. There's a whole whole string of um, problems that you can have. But if providing you be really professional about it and um, you both have the same um, outcomes, you know, that you same goals, I should say, I think, you know, there's no reason mm. why it, it can't work. And take your foot off the gas too. Like just pump the brakes a little bit, take it slow, get everything right at the start. Yes. Uh, You know, no point trying to figure out things that you could have worked out on day zero once you're at the job. And, you know, there's a lot of really good books out there that you can get on business, on starting a small business and, you know, plenty of business coaches as well. And, um, I mentioned earlier that I joined a business network and um, when I first started my business, well, and really the reason that I did that was because I'd been working in a company that was huge and I had people around me all the time and then all of a sudden I'm out on my own doing my own thing. So it made sense to me to go along to those networking events and, um, you know, I'm going back now to... Almost 20 years ago, 2003, I started my business. And, um, you know, I think I still have stayed um, 
developed some great friendships with people that I met at the very first networking event I went to. And I can't put a dollar value on what I learned from those other businesses because they'd been in business for a long time. And there was business coaches and account my accountant, actually, the current my current accountant <laughs> um, I met there. And um, in fact, there were six of us, uh, six um, women within that that particular. I mean, they weren't all women, but there were six of us that were all self-employed and we actually began our own women in business networking organisation, not-for-profit, which we ran for six years. And um, we ran expos and workshops and all sorts of things and donated about $70,000, you know, to a charity from our event. So um, even doing that was great at... um, learn you know learning from a more about business so um it got me off the tools a bit here and there as well so <laughs> um yeah so um there was graphic designers and web designers and you know so there there was a array of different people so you don't necessarily have to network with other landscapes yeah you know. Yeah, they're your competition essentially. Yeah, so it's still good to know them and learn from them. You can do both. You can chat yeah. shop. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But don't expect any favors. No, but I mean, you <laughs> might, you know, you might be an expert in um, native plants and, and bird life and that type of thing. But you meet mm. someone else, and their specialty might be drywalls, sandstone drywalls, yeah. or something like that. And then someone else's expertise is in vertical gardens so you can all work together so like when I was subcontracting you know I used to get this guy that did the most magnificent sandstone sandstone work and um, then I use another guy that would do paving or retaining walls and Mm. so I kind of had my little you know posse of um, skill people with different skill sets so it was great worked really well yeah but the only thing is when you're subcontracting is that you need to be you need to fit in with their their schedule as well so um and of course you know I, I was a small business when you're looking at huge big landscaping businesses that are turning over you know millions it's it's a, a different kettle of fish they'll have teams of people yeah <coughs> so and they'll have yeah management structures and they'll have yeah. all sorts of admin people and you yeah. just don't have access to that yeah they have an office that where they've got designers and mm. uh, landscape architects and landscape designers and horticulturists as well so mm. they have a you know a crew of people so that we're yeah. talking at a different level there yeah so, and yeah. a lot of the time when you're starting a business you may not even have an air compressor which Comes yeah. in handy a lot of the time, you know, like these are the purchases you make over time as you grow. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, um, and depending on where you are, like some people want to ride on lawnmower because they're working on properties. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, different different types of depending on where you are. Like if you're in inner city suburbs and stuff, you're lucky if you've even got lawn. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't buy a ride on yeah. mower if you're going to try and target inner city, like. Yeah, I great. hope our listeners are smarter than that. 
You'd think so. Unless yeah. it's a walker. I mean, you can get some, but you wouldn't use it in inner city. The walker's no. a great machine. They can fit into smaller backyards and... You know, if if you can make that work, that that's a good option. But yeah, you're not going to buy a big 42 inch deck zero turn mower yeah, if you're working no. in the city suburbs. No, yeah. So the, you know, the uh, tools will will fit in with whatever type of business you've got. I mean, some people just specialize in hedging, so they'll need yeah. you know a whole different set of tools mm. for that. Yeah, so. they might have specialised hedging pruning stuff that most people just don't have, but they don't have a mower. That's not what they do. Yeah. Oh, and scaffolding, because sometimes the hedges are yeah, five true. metres high, you know, like mm. it's almost as tall as a house. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so there yeah, are lots to consider when it comes to um, to tools. And then the other thing is, like, I, I remember from my days with the franchise, um, in some territories where the properties were bigger, the franchisees would... Uh, tow a trailer that had you know big covered in trailer that's got everything in it you know it just all closes up they're huge but then I remember one guy who was like in a city where the streets are narrow and he says no way I could well I'm struggling to park my car let alone take a trailer so in that case he had a ute or some people would have prefer a van because a van locks up and you can fit more grass bags in there yeah, yeah, I had a van. I loved my house. I had a long wheelbase van and it was fabulous, you know. You lock it up, you you know, you don't have anyone stealing stuff out of the tray off the back of your ute or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, there's all those considerations and it's really horses for courses, isn't it, you know, where you're going to be working and, and um, on that sort of thing. I was at a barber's one time and they had a horticulturist coming in and his job, all he did was walk around that neighbourhood to all the shops and he did all the little monsteras and all the little window plants. And he just gave them a nice spray, you know, wiped them down with a bit of white oil, pruned off the dead things, gave them a bit of a feed. And that was his job. Oh, great. Need to have a coffee on the way. Yeah, he probably drives a little buzz box, a little, um, you know, like a little Hyundai XL or something like that. <laughs> Fits all the tools in there. <laughs> Sounds ideal, doesn't it? My kind of job. Yeah. Well, it's in yeah. Balaclava near St Kilda, so it's, I guess you could call it like a trendier suburb, so that's probably not going to work if you're out in, oh, you know, I don't know, yeah. Dandenong uh, or something yeah. like that. No, that's right. So it's all very different, isn't it? So I guess we could move on. We did touch on tools there. I mean, you're obviously going to need tools. It's going to be best if you do have the experience as well because – you know, if you're just learning how to push mow when you're starting the business, uh, that's probably not the best way to go. I would even recommend starting working with someone for six months before you start a landscaping business if you're fresh. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Definitely good advice. And look, um, I was talking to somebody um, recently who knew a young fellow that started a business and uh, he started out just mowing lawns and, um, you know, he didn't have a lot of experience, but, boy, was he keen as mustard, good with good with the customers. And, and like you said, he started working with my friend, actually. She sort of helped him get started. And uh, so every now and then, you know, I'd be with her somewhere and she'd get a phone call and it would be or a text message from 
this young guy and it might have photographs of uh, a pest or disease or, or a particular plant and, and he wants some information and and so she was able to mentor him. So getting a good mentor is 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 great and um, it's a little bit like um, working for the franchise because the franchisees would be constantly sending me um, photographs for me to identify things and sometimes, you know, if there was some something a bit more complicated, I would be able to go out and have a look at it and, you know, and uh, if it was something that, you know, couldn't be settled over the phone sort of thing. But, yeah, getting a mentor, doing work experience, anything like that, you know, especially for a young person, um, you know, sometimes for a younger person who's just left school or or just done their course, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, um, you know, have a lot of hands-on experience. So they need to get that experience. And that's, you know, that's where it's nice if people can put someone on as a trainee or as an apprentice or, or something like that. In the old days, it was all a lot of stuff that was learned on the job. They'd go off to college one day a week and the rest was all hands-on learning and um so yeah I mean there's nothing like getting getting into it and um and today look there's so much information out there that you can get help when you do have a problem my my one word of advice to people is if they are not sure you know some if if a client says you know look I've got this problem with this plant what's wrong with it if you're not sure, always say, oh, gee, that's a, that's interesting. I've not seen that before, but um, I'm not sure what it is, but leave it with me and, and I'll see what I can find out. It's far better to say that, to say you don't know, than to say, mm. uh, that's oh. blah, blah, and, um, yeah. you know, the next There's person comes Google along search. and, <laughs> yeah, one person yeah. then comes along and says, well, I wouldn't have. No, that's not right, you know. So then you end up with egg on your face. And look, nobody knows it all. Horticulture is too big. But between us, we can figure things out. You know, everyone has their area of um, interest or expertise. So, you know, rather than tell a few porkies, just get the facts. And, um, you know, I always say to people, because, you know, I remember a friend of mine saying, oh, I just thought you knew everything. I said, nobody knows everything, (laughs) you know, like nobody. I defy, you know, anybody. And I've I've worked with some of the, you know, best horticulturists and uh, sometimes they'll say to me, have you seen this before? And I say, oh, yeah, that's such and such. I say, I've never seen it. And I say, well, that's horticulture and that's what I love about it. (laughs) I love the fact that. You are constantly learning. So never be embarrassed to say, look, I'm not sure, but I'll I'll try and find out. And um, look, there's all sorts of ways that you can you can find out as well. You can send information into the botanic gardens or um you know, there's companies Department that, of that, Agriculture or something Department like that. of Agriculture, that's right. So you can really always um, find out what it is and if it's a particular plant like I remember I had a um I was teaching one day and a student came in with an image from a um citrus tree I mean citrus is you know if you listen to the radio there's always citrus questions they get lots of Mm. problems and you know bugs and things like that but I'd never seen this before anyway I thought well 
I'm going to send the image to a citrus grower. Straight away he came back with the answer. And it was a virus that was, he asked me. they don't come up often. Yeah, and it was a blood orange. He said it was specific to blood oranges. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah, so, (laughs) you know, it always pays to go to an expert and see what you can find out and then do your research. You know, social media can be a great place to post those things and sometimes it can be a horrible place. (laughs) Yeah, because sometimes, yeah, sometimes you see a million answers out there but then, you think yeah, it's clearly a munching insect and they'll say it's aphids or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so go to an expert and look there's plenty of experts out there not look there's even all these apps now that you can hold the phone over it look personally oh, yeah, i'm one. not a fan but um yeah there's too many it's it, it's much more scientific than that you know yeah some of those things can be a great place to start you sure. know, maybe maybe the yeah. app gives you a, a lead and you can follow that lead and you can be like, yeah, that's it. Or you can be like, no, but, you know, in Australia we have something similar, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's always a good starting point. I mean, I've got a very yeah. dog-eared, a very dog-eared version of um, what pestle disease is that by Judith Pickle. So I know you don't really right. say brand names, but. This no, no, we, we say positive. We say brand names positively, but we don't slag off brands. Oh, okay, all right. Sorry, I'm <laughs> used to I'm used to the ABC. Yeah, um, no, 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 we want brands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, it was um, it was like my bible when I was studying, and also when I worked in a retail nursery, people had because we didn't have social media then. And mm. um, I'm just looking at my my copy. Here, it's got sticky tape all over it. It's so well used. I've got yeah. post-it notes in it. And even <laughs> though um, a lot of the information in it is um, like the chemical use is outdated, mm. um, I don't, you know, you can't recommend those. But it has cultural controls in it as well. Luckily, okay. I've now got... I've now got my garden pest diseases and good bugs by Dennis Crawford and it's fabulous as well because the, what I like about both the books is their images are fantastic, right. you know, and I, I can remember when I worked in the nursery, you know, people had come in with something and I couldn't tell you the name of it but I knew I'd seen a photograph of it in the book. Yeah. So, you know, and, we'd start, <laughs> and I'd say, do you reckon this is it? And they go, yeah, that's it, you know. So... Um, yeah, good books are very helpful for anyone who's working in gardens anyway. Anyway, I'm getting a bit off um, track. No, no, that's good. But can we please grab those two book names again just once more for anyone who didn't write it down on the first listen? Okay. Uh, what Garden Pest or Disease Is That? by Judy McMore. You know, it's an old book. I don't even know if it's still in print. I, think I have seen it. Um now and then and I've even seen it in secondhand bookshops but a more updated one that, that is readily available is um, Garden Pests, Diseases and Good Bugs by Dennis Crawford. Excellent. And, Thanks for that. that. I've actually got another one that's um, also really good. Pest Diseases, Ailments and Allies of Australian Plants. Now, it's not just, um, and it's by um, uh, David L. Jones, Roger Elliott, 
and Sandra R. Jones, and and they're you know they've all got ag science degrees or PhDs and stuff. So three excellent books, all with beautiful photos, and um, you know what I love about these books is they explain the whole life cycle and everything about the pest. Mm. So if you couldn't get an answer out of those three books, you know you'd be pretty unlucky. Maybe contact the agricultural department. <laughs> yeah, and then if you're looking for a really good now on the subject of books is uh, on soils because we all know that if you get your soil right, um, you'll have good success in your garden. And um, <laughs> if, you, if you're having problems in the garden or in a client's garden and you don't know, you know, you're not sure what it is, Often it comes from the soil. So there's a, a fabulous yeah. <laughs> um, author, Kevin Handrek. So he's got a book called Gardening Down Under. And uh, so Kevin Handrick, H-A-N-D-R-E-C-K. And he's also another book that was one of my um, textbooks when I studied horticulture called Growing Media for Ornamental Plants and Turf. And uh, so that one's by Kevin Hendrick and uh, N Black. I'm not sure what N's first name is. Let's see if I can find that. It just says N.D. Black. But, you know, they're both um, agriculturists and, you know, got their Bachelor of Science degrees and everything. So um, highly respected um, authors there. Fantastic. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Hort Journal. Oh, of course. Hort Journal, of course. Hort Journal Australia magazine. It's the only industry magazine and it's uh, for people who are working in the industry. So, um, And it covers all sectors um, of horticulture in ornamental horticulture, so which is a bit different from agriculture. Mm. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, www hortjournal.com.au say no more check it out so the more widely we're reading the better equipped we are to be able to be dealing with problems in the garden if we're going to be owning a business we want to be equipped to do that so you're going to get different things from each of these resources yeah well see i always kept a little box in the back of my van with a plastic lid on it with those books that's why they're a bit dog-eared because um you know, sometimes you you do come across things you haven't seen. In fact, mm. um, there's a new pest um, incursion in Australia called the serpentine leaf miner. Well, mm. um, it's going to be an article about that in the next month's issue of Hort Journal, by the way. But we, you know, th- we rely on people who are doing garden maintenance and landscaping jobs to keep their eye open for new pest incursions and often it comes about exactly that way that somebody comes across something they haven't seen and they contact the department of ag and they say oh geez you know we didn't know it had moved that far south we thought it was only up in north queensland and here we are we're down here in southern new south wales or something like that or victoria or perth or whatever so um you know, we really need everybody to be vigilant when it comes to pest and diseases and, and report things that you haven't seen before. 
Absolutely. If our listeners haven't listened to episode 54, Understanding Biosecurity with Jeanette Severs, there are some pretty, uh, yeah, horrific cautionary tales in there. So one lady um, had a weed in her grass, in her lawn, and she had to pay to have the whole thing excavated out of her own pocket. So yeah, (laughs) if we can catch things when they're small, it's better. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you've got to consider when um, you've got your business, you've got it started, you've registered it all and you, you know, you're trying to get clients and, um, you know, as I said earlier, I, I found networking to be excellent, but something else, I never had to advertise my business because invariably by the time I'd finished the job, someone would say hmm. either come past and ask me or the client would say, oh, my friend um, wants a card from you because, you know, they're thinking about doing their garden. And pretty much that's how how it all happens. Do the right thing. Yeah, do the right thing. Make sure you have plenty of cards. And another key point is clean up when you're finished. Oh. If you, if I was having a delivery of mulch delivered to spread out, I had a tarp, big tarp that I would lay on the driveway or on the grass so that I didn't uh, wreck wreck the lawn or, um, you know, you got your shovel going in. I didn't scratch the driveway or anything like that. If you have to go through the house, you can get special um, roll-out type of uh, plastic protectors for hallways and things like that or lifts, that sort of thing. So make sure that you leave the house or the site clean and tidy. That's a huge thing. Oh, yeah. And think about where clients are looking out of too. I've seen so many times people don't think about what the customer sees when they're looking out through their windows. So, you know, the front of the garden looks great, but the windowsill is just full of debris. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got all these fabulous leaf blowers now that don't make much noise and don't blow it out and down the drain. Make sure you, you know, blow it to one area and and then pick it all Mm -hmm. up. Totally. So, yeah. You said you didn't do advertising, so that's no letter drops then? No, I never needed to. But that's not to say you couldn't do it when you're starting out. I never needed to because I had jobs booked in before I left my other job. I had, you know, my the four big jobs all booked in beforehand because I'd been doing the consultations, you know. Um, and... You know, it's a long time ago that I did that, but I actually have had a couple of jobs recently, referrals for consultations from people whose work I did 20 years ago, people contacting me on social media and saying, oh, you did a consultation for me. One lady actually asked me if she could buy it as a gift for a friend of hers who was having a hard time, so we did, and I went over there, and, and so the her friend paid for it, you know, the, the actual client didn't have no idea how much it cost or anything like that. So, you know, um, yeah, if you're good, I mean, you can do it to begin with, but be warned from a letterbox drop, you could quite easily be inundated, so you need to be prepared. Yeah, well, there are worse problems to happen. Um, mm. So my advice for letterbox drop is you can do different 
systems. So every time when you're at a client's property, that's probably the best time to do it because if you can build a client base that are close to each other, that's best. You know, don't go over the other side of town and then try and drop off letterboxes. There's a thing called five around and seven around. So let's say you're working at the one property. You can do um, five around is you do one either side of the house and then three opposite the house and seven around is you just extend that out one either side, either side of the street as well. Yeah. Yeah. And also having branding on your vehicle. Oh, yeah. Branding on your vehicle. Yeah. If, you, if you've got your branding done, um, some some people also put out like a little billboard or a little um, sign mm. that, that just yeah. has a thin um, piece of metal that they just stick into the ground and say this work is being carried out by ABC Garden Design, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a number on it and something that people can Google. Yeah. Yeah. QR code. And while we're on Google too, another way to market your services is to create a website. We're living in the 21st century. I'm of the belief that every business, especially gardening businesses, like anything needs to have a website, Um, you know, attach it to Google Maps. Um, Get your SEO right. Like just Google search SEO, search engine optimization. There's a lot of different philosophies on that and it's constantly changing as the, in quotation marks, algorithm evolves. But yeah. stay on top of the of the internet marketing if you can because that will give you a huge leg up. There are a lot of gardening businesses out there that cannot be bothered to get into the internet. Mm. Yeah. You, if, if you're going to be doing that, you need to be planning where you want your business to go. Do you want to end up with a team of 10 people, 20 people, 5 people? Because if you're if you're doing that, if you're getting a website, you you know if that's advertising. You are going to get more work. So be be mindful and be make sure that you are planning for all of that, which is great. Mm. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you um, <coughs> can build build up your business enough that you can employ some people and um, yeah, you know, have a real great business happening? It'd be terrific. And at the same time, though, don't rush it. You know, build a stable foundation. Don't try and hurry up and get from zero to 100 overnight, you know. Uh, yes. It's not a race. It's a marathon. Yeah. And, of course, some people get to a stage where they think, do I want to grow my business anymore or am I happy? Am I going to make any more money out of growing it or am I making enough? So, you know, you come across these little things as you go along as well you think you know of course your business is always going to be busier in spring but if you're smart about it with your existing clients even if even if they've gotten you to do a one-off job stay in touch with them do a newsletter or something like that to say as winter's coming um you know because often people leave it all to spring and they want it done before christmas yeah Including the mulching, everything like that. These yeah. there are a lot of jobs that you need to book in for winter or summer when it's slow. Yes, so you know if it's maintenance, well that's okay. But if they're wanting more bigger jobs done, winter is the time. Autumn and winter, sow the seed then. Say now, don't forget if you want to have that job done by spring, and be using it, uh, make sure that you get into it now. 
you know, during the quiet time. And that's when you as a landscape architect, designer, installer, whatever, um, can make the most of the quieter times. Mm. Yeah, a bit of forward thinking. Yeah, and, and plan for rainy days. What are you going to do on your rainy days? Are you going to, you know, work on your marketing or work on, you know, uh, maintenance plans or the customers or mm. ha- have have days that you can factor it in? Don't just think, beauty, it's raining, I'm just going to watch TV all day. Mm. Absolutely. So, so I'd like to switch it up a little bit now and while we're on the – I guess this still is on the topic of like branding and marketing, but differentiating your services can also be helpful. So, um, for example, you know, are you the native plants crew in town? I've also seen all female crews benefit because there are a lot of people who just want females, like maybe they're vulnerable people, maybe they're elderly, maybe they have differently abled people as well, often feel safer with a woman. So that's a great marketing um, sure is. Great way to market your business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What income bracket? Are they commercial or domestic, large properties or small? Hmm. Well, that's that's right. And, um, I mean, even, even from the smallest business, uh, like I was saying to you before about getting back to people straight away, I'm mm. the tradesman that answers his phone. Yeah, that can that in itself can be yeah. a point of difference, and put it on your ute if you make that promise. Yeah, you know, your garden's my garden. You want to you want to <laughs> make sure that their garden is you treat it like your own. You know, and um, I used to say to people, "Now I'm going to become a pastor in three months' time. I want to make sure it's looking all right." Or I'd send them a message, and but I think a newsletter is a great thing to do. Newsletters, you know, you can you can blanket email everybody or message or whatever. Don't forget it's time to have your um, organic fertiliser spread around or don't forget it's time to top up your mulch. Don't forget it's, it's time to be pruning uh, citrus trees or spraying for uh, citrus leaf, leaf miner, you know. Um, so that little newsletter can go out. I mean, you don't want to bombard people but maybe – you know, once every two months or something. So they're the things you can plan in your downtime or you get you outsource that for somebody to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, my point of difference was always that I hand-selected plants for a job, you know, and, um, and I was a bit fussy about how it all went in and, you know, that type of thing. So, um but also, you know, treating it like it's your own garden. And, and, and another thing, keep in your car or your van or your ute a decent hose. So if oh, I was doing, if I was doing yes. a really big, <laughs> yeah, a big job, I would buy them hose link fittings because I like their fittings the best because you'd get there and they'd have the one that they've bought from the $2 shop soon as you turn, plug the hose in, you know, it would burst off the tap and then you'd go to wheel it out and the hose would be that hard you feel like it's going to snap in half because it's so brittle. So I always had my own hose. If it was a really big job, I would often buy a hose and say this is your gift from me. 
with the fittings because I want you looking after this garden and if you don't I'm going to be upset so you know there's that personal touch carries such a lot to people you know um it really does and if you've got a team of 10 people you need to be certain that they're going to be um taking all that into consideration you have to train them to think that way they represent your business they're wearing your branding i'd like to share a story from somebody that i've worked with in the past that was not very mindful of the branding so one example was that um we'd pulled up to a fast food joint for lunch and she had come out of the toilet and started yelling and screaming and abusing the um the people working at the cash register um, about the fact that there was no toilet paper and she's in full uniform and everybody's completely shocked. And yeah, that it's really hard when you're dealing with staff and stuff like that, like this is as a team leader, but it's the same thing. If you're a business owner, you have to somehow know how to work with people and not everyone is easy to work with. Like you can imagine something like that. Like how, how do you deal with that? Do you yell and scream at her? Do you have enough, um, you know, men, do, you, do you have the mental capacity to be able to calmly deal with that situation? Because that can go so wrong so quickly. And then, you know, you've lost a customer or then someone's writing on Facebook about how such yeah, and such a yeah. business sucks. And, yeah. yeah. Well, it's the same as um, driving your, your vehicle with, um, Oh. I mean, how often are you driving along and someone nearly runs you off the road and you look at the, all the brandings on there and you think, right, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> Yeah, never using <laughs> you. <know>. you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're more or less telling you who they are. So yeah. um, that's something you need to uh, educate people who are working for you. Um, and if they're driving a vehicle that you own, that that um, they are representing you and they have to behave accordingly. And, and and that comes also down to uniforms. If I was, say I got a big job on and I needed a lot of staff, sometimes I'd, you know, I'd hire a whole heap of young uni students or something to come and do some of the grunt work, you know, getting the soil in and all that sort of stuff. If, it, you know, you might have 20 tonne of soil you've got to get in. And um, so I had like a bucket load of spare shirts with my branding on them. Because otherwise they turn up looking. Nobody wants people looking like, you know, in in grotty clothes. Yeah, grotty yeah. clothes and you know, shorts yeah. with a hole in the pants. And, well, that's know, bad bum. branding. Yeah, so you know you can get around it with that. I mean, it, that, I wouldn't have to do that very often, but um, it's all things to be you know thinking about. Um, you know, you want to know that they're behaving and they're not swearing on site because, you know, sometimes you're dealing with elderly people and they're highly offended by it. So, um, yeah. Or people with kids. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there don't even realise they're swearing. It's second nature to them. So Yeah. Again, this is all branding and marketing. This is what Definitely. This is literally branding and marketing. Like branding isn't just putting an ad on Facebook. Branding no. is a promise that you make to a customer as as a business. This is who we are and this is who we will be. If you show up in a shirt that has all like tatters and stuff and all your staff are swearing, 
what's the promise that you are telling the customer? This is who we are and this is how we'll treat your garden. Yeah, exactly. So we want to be seen as an industry that's um, professional and Hmm. people that aren't don't do our whole industry a service, you know, like so... I, I think that is a hugely important thing. You want to be seen as a professional, act like one. Yeah. So I don't. I wouldn't want people coming onto my home, onto my site, that behave poorly. So yeah, nobody does. Well, it comes back to what we were saying at the start again: integrity. You need to have yeah. integrity if you're going to be a good business. Owner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Integrity, honesty, and reliability. Yeah. It's all really one thing, but um, yeah, they they have different connotations, I guess, for the same character. Yeah, because you know, like you were saying about the the uh, all female group, that sometimes an elderly lady might feel more comfortable. Well, you know, I, I can remember I hired this um, young guy once, and and I he'd been a student of mine. And he was absolutely hopeless in the classroom. Mm-hmm. But he he was a um, bit of a character. You know, he'd always come in late mm. and I'd give him a service. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, I bought donuts for everyone, Karen. You know, I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about your donuts, you know. But I hired him to do some work for me. It was a lead up to Christmas. He was fantastic. He was so lovely to the client. The client was an elderly lady and every time she put her head out that door, he'd, he'd say something to her, you know, really lovely manners and everything. And I, I, it, I was so impressed by him. I gave him a big bonus just before Christmas and <laughs> seriously he um, he was so taken back by that. He was a, a bit of a battler. And he was so taken back by that, and I said, "You have earned every penny of that. You you've done twice as much work as everybody else, and you deserve it." And I ended up giving him. He asked me for a reference. He was going for a job, which he got it. And I was driving down the street one day, and he jumped out. Anyway, right in front of my van, nearly nearly mowed him down with his <laughs> thumbs up. And I pulled over. He said, "I got the job. I got the job." You know, so you know. You can't always judge a book by its cover, but your performance is um, everything, you know. And we all have different skills too, like that one kid who may be the ADHD kid, like that was me at school. Um, Yeah. You know, everyone has different skills that they bring. Like maybe they just, I don't know, they just think about things in a way that you just hadn't thought. And like if... I have this theory that, like, as human beings, we all have these different skills and we're just so much stronger when we work together. Yeah. And I don't think that's controversial. I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. I agree, 100%. You know, everybody brings something different to your business and, you know, when you get somebody like him and and he was only a little fella, you know, and he'd be shoveling all these, you know, barrow load after barrow load and, you know, the others few uni students in there that were going for the desk job you know like they had no idea so it's it's amazing um and he was just as keen as mustard and i i had a lot of respect for him after he came to work with me you know 
Well, that's branding as well. Put in, put your whole heart in. Don't go in half effort. Yeah, and and if you don't like the job, get out of it. Hmm. But give your all till that last day. Oh yes, if you realise it's not for you, um, you know, do something else. Just you know, work it out, and if you like it, and and to be honest, if you really enjoy what you do, it's not hard. You don't see it as work, you know. You you enjoy getting up and going to work. So, you know, you've got to look at the benefits of working in the outdoors and working with nature and all of those things that make you feel good. You know, getting your hands dirty. It's all part of it, isn't it? Absolutely. So yeah, uh, we're lucky that it is an enjoyable role most of the time you know when we're out just bush mowing the lawn taking it easy maybe we're pruning the roses listening to the birds yeah. uh, but i don't know if it is a get rich scheme to start a landscaping business um i think if you look at the people who are successful and are making good money out of it they've um They've treated it like a business and got the right people in. Getting back to what I said about do what you're good at and outsource the rest. You look at you look at a lot of the little businesses that have popped up over during COVID and, um, you know, I've bought a few things online and the marketing and the branding that is just exceptional on some of the products that I've had delivered. Now, if you want to market your business and get some really good branding, get good people to help you with it. You know, it's um, yeah. you mightn't be able to do it all to begin with because you've got to pay people. But keep putting a bit of money back into the business so that you can build on it. So, you know, that that's how these people get to where they are because they they keep improving it and getting the right people in and... And you'll find that if you do, like you were saying about get a website and get, get you know, start to get business that way, well, once that money starts coming in, keep building on it, keep building on your business and putting some money back into getting somebody to do, um, you know, really good marketing for you and um, develop some brochures and, you know, all that kind of kind of stuff is um, is really important. So, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight, but if you really want to have a successful business, that's what your goal is, get a business coach. You know, once you get to so much, you get a business coach and um, and you pay people to go out and do the, do the work for you, the hands-on work perhaps, you know. Like depends on which way you want to run it. Do you, you want to be – now what's the name of that book? Um, oh. It's a business book by, I think his name's Brian Tracy. Brian um, Tracy. That one doesn't ring a bell. I grew up on those sorts of books, though. My mum was very much into, like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Richest Men in Eat, Babylon and stuff like oh, that. Oh, hang on. This is a different one. There's Eat That Frog. Um, right. the, I think, yeah, so Eat That Frog is one of the, it, it's all about, um, doing all the things that you don't like first, get it over and done mm. with. Um, Are you talking mm. about Secrets of Self-Made Millionaires? Oh, that's a no. movie. Never the mind. E-Myth. Oh, was he, did he write that? 
That's no, a no. great book. No, that's Michael Gerber. That was the book I right. was thinking of, but I was thinking of um, Brian Tracy. Yeah, Michael Gerber. Uh, Michael E. Yep. Gerber. The E-Myth Revisited. Yeah. That'll tell you about the different mentalities that you can approach business with and, you know, which one do you fit into? Yeah, are you an so operator? Are you, the, are you a, yeah. A technician. Are you a manager? Yeah, yeah technician, yeah. manager. Yeah. What was the other one? What was the third one? Uh Technician, op, technician, manager, entrepreneur. That was a creative yeah. one, wasn't it? Yeah. That was yeah. the forward-thinking one. And you yeah. might find you both. Like I think of myself as the as the creative one and the operator. So, yeah. And they're not value judgments either. It's like the entrepreneur isn't a value judgment of a superior type of a person. It's just the way no. your brain works. It's just everyone's different, yeah. Yeah, and we all yeah. were better together. Yeah, and so, you know, I've just brought it up online, why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it. Yeah, because a lot of people start a business but they don't um, they don't stick with it and they don't stick to the plan. So I always remember there was a bit of a story about a guy that made pies or something. Yeah, I think it was a lady. <laughs> yeah, or a lady, yeah. And, um, yeah, but couldn't let go, wanted to micromanage mm. and couldn't let go, couldn't move to that next step because nobody else could make the pies as well as she does. So that's another thing is, um, you know, uh, being prepared to delegate and give people a bit of um, autonomy. Mm. You know, I had a great boss actually when I was working for the franchise, you know, he would tell me at the beginning of the month what he wanted me to do and then I'd hardly see him after that till the next month. And um, I'd say, well, what about this? What about that, Karen? It's up to you. And, you know, he said to me one day, I've got confidence in you that you can do this and I, and you've got no idea how good that made me feel. Yeah. So, you know, he never, ever, he'd give me tips sometimes or maybe you could do this, maybe we'd have a meeting once a month and, and it was really good because it really pushed me beyond, like sometimes he'd say, now I want you to do this, this, and this. I'd think, oh, God, how am I going to do that? All right, okay, I can do it. And, yeah, it sort of pushed me outside my comfort zone a bit, but in the end it worked really well. So being, you know, if you want to um, start a, a business and, you know, you keep getting more and more work, well then mentor someone to become a team mm. leader you know, mm-hmm. or pay for them to go and do a course yeah. in team leadership. Do, you, do know? you know, those young kids who just show initiative and they're blazing in your business, you know, they got passion. These make great team leaders. They have so much to learn, but yeah. their hearts are really in it. And a lot of the time, sorry to say it, um, but, you know, sometimes older people aren't the best because they know – I'm not sorry. Obviously, I'm not. Set it, that. I'm just set saying. Set in their ways. Yeah, they're set yeah, in their they, ways, and it's a pain in the bum. Yeah. 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 No, I know exactly what you're saying, and it's, you know, they become dinosaurs. You know, they they don't want to change. They don't like change. Oh no, I'm not doing it that way. I don't do that. I'll just fax you through that. Yeah. So look, that won't happen if you don't let it happen. You know what I mean? Like you you need to, like I love to see young people thrive. I love to mentor young people and um, give them an opportunity because I always think I wished I'd have had that someone do that for me. And like later in life I, I sort of had a few people that I feel were my mentors and still are. Um, I've learnt from them. 
I, I I think back if someone had come to me and said, oh, you know, I'd like to help you do this or where do you see yourself going? You're like, I'd like to help you get there. How good would that be? So that's how I think with young people. I think I'd like to see them achieve and, you know, that's not hard. So it's not hard to share your experience. I belong to the International Plant Propagators Society and their motto is seek and share and they share their knowledge willingly with all their competitors and in the end it makes for a better industry. So don't think nobody can do it better than you because let me tell you, there's always someone going to come up and do things better. Whether people think about your business the same way as you, that's purely up to you. And I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, oh, you know, I'm not going to put them through a course because they'll be gone in two years. And I go, yeah, but look at you. Even if you get a year of fabulous work out of them and what, you've spent 500 bucks on sending them off to a, a course, like, so what? You've got more than that out of them, you know, like, Good people usually stay a couple of years and then they move on, and especially in that industry because in um, landscape, because if they're really good, they want to end up starting their own business. Yeah, but you know as well, if you're giving good uh, if you're giving good staff rewards, they're less likely to move on quickly. Like, look after your staff, pay them well, yes, give them exactly. Like, imagine how you would feel if your boss came up to you and gave you a pay raise without you asking. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> not not giving anyone any hints, but, yeah, this is just um, advice for building a community spirit. Yeah. And, look, I can remember donkeys years ago. I'm going back a long way now. I had this boss and, um, and in between him and me there was another guy about, I don't know, probably my own age or a couple of years older, and he wasn't superior to me but he used to try and boss me around all the time oh, I'd go no. and make me a cup of coffee and you know I'd say oh get it, get it yourself you lazy sort <laughs> but you know the boss would come in and say all right I've bought morning tea for everybody come in and we'll uh, have a coffee you know I would yeah. bend over backwards to help that person because he was so genuine and so nice whereas the ponce that used to try and I mean, it's no big deal to make a coffee for someone. I know it's not. If I was going out, I'd say I'm going for coffee, anyone want one. But because he used to say it, like a smart aleck, I used to think, well, I'm not getting you a coffee. But the boss, not a problem, you know, because he was good to me. So if people will, if you treat people with respect and be nice to them, you know, I mean, occasionally you get someone that's just, oh, especially in, landscaping you know sometimes you get people that are slow as a wet week and they they're lazy they shouldn't be in the job you know that does happen sometimes but it's up to you then to to figure out what you're going to do with them you know yeah and some people don't work out some people are too no. slow and yeah. yeah a little you have to be confrontational sometimes and it sucks as someone who is overly agreeable um yeah i feel that pain it it's hard to be the one who sets the tone and says, no, sorry, this isn't real rain. This is just a little tiny sprinkle and we will be working in this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, employing people also has its challenges. Um, nothing's ever easy, but then anything worth um, doing always 
um, has challenges. And good staff, you know, you hear people say it all the time, oh, good staff's hard to get. And go, well, be nice to them. Yeah. You know? If you think they're hard to get, try keeping them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's right. You know, like, you know, well, I've, you know, every job I've ever had, I've come away with good references and there's a reason for that. People have generally been really nice to me and, and I, you know, I, I like to give my best. And, um, you know, I think it's, it, it cuts both ways. But, you know, you, yeah. you need to be, you need to give people guidelines, though, when they first start and say, well, this is what I expect from you. And um, if you have a problem with that, I want you to speak to me about it. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's so, like, important to have that dialogue between staff members and employers because um, you never know, like, maybe that one person is just talking trash about you behind your back and you might think, oh, that's not a big deal. But, it like, culture is incredibly important yes. and you need to yes. nurture and foster your culture. Yeah. Sometimes you need to get rid of people who are toxic. Because yes, it spreads. Yes. It's like a disease. Yeah. Toxicity is yeah. like a disease. It just spreads. Oh, I've, se- I've seen it happen where you've got, you know, a dozen people working and they're all happy and then the new person comes in and before, you know, it's gradually things start to go a bit sour and you think, well, how did this happen, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, open communication and honesty is a, a huge component of that and, you know, you've got to kind of nip it in the bud straight away. Oh, yeah. Mm. And um, I hope that if you're starting a business, you are able to balance the confrontation and the agreeableness because it's a tight balance and everyone has a different temperament. And, yeah, it, it can be tricky because you don't want to be too nice and you don't want to be too tough. Mm. It's like they say you can't um, give a dog a tr- like a treat um, you you can't let a dog break the rules ever once because the second it breaks the rules once, that's the new normal. You know, like you can't let your dog on the like stand up on the table, otherwise that's where it's allowed to stand now. And staff are kind of the same. You can't set a new precedence and say, look, it's okay to be late and then it's not okay to be late tomorrow, you know? Mm. You have to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. Well, consistency and, and yeah. Open communication, that's what it's all about, mm. isn't it? Yep. Mm. And integrity again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all part of it and, um, yeah. And, and look, if you, if, you, if you do that and you stick to your processes and um, planning, what's that, what's that saying? Um, fail to plan, plan to fail. <laughs> yes. That doesn't so. apply to business though. You reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, so there you go. That's yeah. pretty much it in a nutshell, isn't it, really? Yeah, I reckon, I reckon we might have touched on most of it. Um, yeah. Obviously, look into looking at your, look into your ABN, your, um, registering your business, blah, 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 all that other stuff. Yep. If you're starting yep. a business, you have a long road ahead of you, and I'm sorry, but this – um, hour and 20 minute episode or whatever it is, isn't going to be the only thing you're going to have to learn. No, no, <laughs> no. Do your research. Yep. Absolutely. No, your competitor. Look, look at, look at success. Look at the business you, you'd like to own and look at how they've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe even interview them. 
Yeah. Maybe go along and say, you know, like, I admire your business and would you be willing to have a, you know, uh, a meeting with me because I'm, if you can give me any advice. Look, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. You'd Some be people surprised. might say no, yeah. but I think most people, yeah, mm. I think so. Especially people if it's like a well-established. Sharing. Yeah, I think so. If they can. Yeah. Not everyone does, yeah. obviously. Mm. So, Karen, we've got that really fun open-ended question again. Now, you've answered it twice now, so I'm interested to see what you come up with this time. Is there oh, anything else you'd like the different. listeners to know about? Yeah, or you could say the same thing again. Um, okay, well, I would definitely say um, from, a, from an industry perspective, look for organisations that you can join that are going to benefit your business. Um, and... Um, be generous. Don't forget there's plenty of people out there that um, could physically or intellectually be unable to even have a job, let alone um, start a business. So um, give. Be a giver. Give to others. Donate, you know, even if it's just a $5 a week, donate to people that um who need it i guess you know yeah that's pretty that's much beautiful. it yeah we're all in this together karen yeah i forgot you're gonna ask me that one again yeah oh, <laughs> i have no idea what you're gonna say next time <laughs> no no i'll be in the same boat talking off the <laughs> off the cuff again yeah. but yeah yeah be nice to those around you and you know it always comes back back to you good things yeah. come back to you yeah. What Roald Dahl said something like, if you think nice thoughts, they'll shine out of your eyes or something like that and you won't be able to hide them. You know, just be a good person. Yeah, I think I agree with that comment because I know a lot of really nice people and um, and that's that's true. They just sort of have a inner an inner beauty yeah. that shines. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on again, Karen. I'm looking forward to the next one. Thanks for having me. Starting a landscape business isn't for everybody, but it's a dream career for somebody that's able to be their own boss and potentially lead others as well. If you know someone that should start their own landscape or horticultural business, send them a link to this episode. It might just be the kick up the bum that they need to get started.